Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists share their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are you doing today, Cecil? Doing pretty good, Richie. How you been? I have been fantastic. I have been amazing. I have been, it's like the best thing of my life had ever happened. What in the world are you so excited? Cubs win, Cubs win, Cubs win the World Series. First time in 108 years that they have won the series. First time in 71 years that they've been to the series. I can't believe they did it. And I know your your family are, you know, you're, your dad, your grandfather, you guys are all really big Cubs fans, right? Huge Cub fans. And uh, we've been Cub fans since 1919. I can track the history all the way back to my great-grandfather. And uh, my dad, he's almost 70, so he's almost suffered through that entire 71-year drought. He has never seen the Cubs in the World Series. And um, lifelong Cub fan, I mean... From the day that the pitchers and catchers report in, fe- in February till the last pitch is is done in the end of the regular season, we live and die Cub baseball. And to see them win the way they did in Game 7 in extra innings, it, it, I cried. I literally cried. Not only did I cry, but I, I put it on Periscope. So we should probably put that link in the show notes. You know, watch a grown man cry over baseball. That's funny. Nice, nice. Well, congratulations, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm about to blow a bunch of money on uh, World Series gear, but uh, man, it's, it was a long, long wait. My entire life, my dad's entire life to finally get a World Series championship, and I still can't believe it. Nice. Cool, cool, cool. So what's new with you? So actually, I wanted to kind of give a shout out to the Palm Beach tech community. Um, I actually had the opportunity to go over there, and I judged a hackathon on Sunday. And, and that was actually pretty cool. They had seven different teams, you know, registration started on Friday, hackathon Saturday, and then uh, everybody presented on Sunday. And, you know, for those two days or so that, you know, those teams put those apps together, we saw some really cool things. And, you know, it was, it was really inspiring to me to see the types of things that people could create in such a short period of time. I think that was really interesting. But there's definitely a lot of cool stuff going on over there. I'm going to try and see if I could head over there more often to kind of just hang out and, and see what they're up to. But um, that was that was definitely a lot of fun. Awesome, man. So how was it like judging? I know, I know you've probably, I don't think you've done that before. So what was that experience like? It's interesting. I mean, I've, I've sat in on panels before, but to actually declare winners and, you know, sit down in a room and deliberate between you know, what you thought between what I thought and, you know, looking through the different scores and things like that. Um, I think for the most part, you know, the other judges and I were very much on the same path. You know, there definitely wasn't any, um, you know, huge differences of opinion between, you know, where the contestants were. But overall, it was a pretty cool experience, man. I had a good time. Awesome. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to Arturo J. Real. Arturo was born in Venezuela and lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where he works as a project manager and producer of Harvard's Introduction to Computer Science course, CS50. He's an advocate for volunteer work at all ages and in raising awareness for environmental causes. This episode was recorded on September 14th, 2016, and now our conversation with Arturo Real. And now, away from the keyboard's feature conversation. 
So today, I'm away from the keyboard, I'd like to welcome a special guest. AJ, why don't you introduce yourself to the everybody that's listening and uh, you know tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, listeners. <laughs> uh, my name is Arturo Real. Um, I was born in Venezuela, and I moved to the United States around the age of seven or eight. And I'm currently living in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, before this, though, I lived in Miami, and that's where I met Cecil. And I'm currently working at Harvard University with CS50, which is Harvard's introduction to computer science. Nice. So you're originally from Venezuela. How did you end up moving over to Miami? So the situation in Venezuela was um, the political situation, and the living situations weren't the greatest. So one right. Christmas vacation when we were here, my parents decided to stay, and uh, we didn't go back since, and I've you know, been ma- making ends meet here. And so when you came over to the United States, you came over and you started you started going to college here, or did you jump into high school? Like, how did that, like, so what was your transition I, over, like? Yeah, when I moved here, I moved around for about a year before, actually. We uh, found a, a place to stay permanently, and um, I started in second grade, actually. Yeah, I did second through eighth grade at the same school, Kenwood. K through eight center in Miami, and after that, I after middle school, I went to high school naturally at Terra Environmental Research Institute, another school in Miami, an environmental magnet school, and then after that, well, actually, no, during my junior year, I dual enrolled at Miami Dade College. After I graduated from high school, that's where I completed my degree in political science. So, one of the interesting things that I wanted to know is how did you really get involved in? The technology, because you seem to have such a, a passion for it. Yeah, so it was actually came out of left field, I guess you could say. I started, as I mentioned, a, a de- well, I finished my degree in political science, but prior to that, my concentration was neuroscience. I studied in Terra Biomedical Academy, and through those four years, I learned about biomedicine and biotechnology, and I had envisioned that I would go into neuroscience and decided to change over to political science, and then sometime during uh, finishing that degree, I heard about CS50 X Miami, which was, uh, which is a version of CS50 here at Harvard that's taught in Miami locally with local support from teachers and staff. And I just decided that I really wanted to go for it. It was something that had been calling my attention for some time, and I pretty much dropped everything. And now I, you know, I'm I'm immersed in it. I see it every day, and it, there's just something so beautiful in my opinion about seeing my phone and my computer through the eyes of a programmer if you could say that because you know you if you're not immersed in this in the world of technology uh, as much as we are uh, i'd like to think you you probably don't put much thought into how everything is working in the background or at least you're not aware of the way that things are working in the background and just having that tidbit of information uh, makes everything really different you know that's kind of the way i feel about my car Oh, yeah, like absolutely. I, I put the key in the ignition, and I turn it, and I go where I need to go, and I come back, and it works, and that's it's good, right? I put gas in it. I change the oil. I, you know, put on new tires. You know, I do some cosmetic stuff, but for yeah. me, that's that's kind of where the buck stops, right? So my, my stepfather was actually a mechanic in the Army for 30 years, and while we were while I was still living in Miami, before him and my mother moved to Puerto Rico, you know, I, I remember going out in the yard, and he would be working on cars and teaching me how to do a couple of things here and there. And I, it was the same thing with, uh, that I felt with programming. I, I never put much thought into everything that goes on under the hood of a car. 
Uh, but, you know, when you're actually underneath the car and taking a look at how everything works or doesn't work, it just totally changes your perspective of the machine that you're using. Right, right. So could you tell us a little bit about what exactly is CS50? Like, what, like what's, what are the goals of this program and who founded it and how does it run and, you know, some of those type of things? So CS50 is, uh, as I mentioned, Harvard's Introduction to Computer Science. And it's a course that's designed to take majors and CS and non-majors alike and get them to a point where they're comfortable enough uh, and savvy enough to pick up any programming language in essence and, and sort of take it from there. So it's, it really it stays true to that introduction to computer science. And it's been a class that's been at Harvard for some time. And in the past 10 years, it's been taught by David Malin, who uh, I'm working for. And I think I've seen a lot of David's classes. He actually has some some classes that I believe that are on iTunes and YouTube and, you know, some other places, right? Yep. So the, the course is freely available online through edX.org. Okay. And anyone can take it at any time and at their own pace. Uh, there's over 600,000 students, if I'm not mistaken, who are uh, taking the course online. I, to some extent, the, uh, the way that I took the course in Miami was also online with uh, the in-person and in-class support of the lead instructor of the course, Sadi Kulfam, uh, at the Idea Center in Miami-Dade College, as well as the teaching fellows and other teaching staff um, who sort of help make bridge the gap between seeing this class online and submitting the work online and getting the support that you'd need if you had a question that you, you know, couldn't fly to Harvard to ask. Sure. So you said that the course is freely available online. You can get it on edX and you could go through material, mm -hmm. um, almost like a self-study type thing too, if you wanted to, I suppose. Right. So like, who is this course for? Is this course for anybody? Is this course for people that are, are new? Is this people that are, you know, trying to pursue computer science degrees? Like, like what's the main target of this material? Yeah, this course is for anyone who is interested in, understanding and thinking and analyzing things through, again, the eyes of a programmer or as a programmer, or anyone who's interested in understanding computer science and the art of programming in depth. It's something that I took with no background in computer science, and I now can hold conversations with you guys and with friends of mine and coworkers and developers that I wouldn't have been able to hold otherwise because it's, it's such abstract information when you're on the outside. Um, but with a course like this one and just the, the pedagogy and the way that it's taught, it's, it makes it easier to digest. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience when you started to get involved in CX50 and, and how you kind of, you know, graduated and evolved through going through the material? The course starts currently through Scratch, uh, through teaching Scratch, which is a uh, block-based programming language. Um, created at MIT's Media Lab. And it's basically a drag-and-drop program that anyone, any age, whether you're 8 or 80, can get the hang of fairly quickly. And that translates really well to C, which is a low-level programming language. And that's the second aspect or the second programming language of the course. And so that transition for me was, well, I like to think was fairly smooth um, because it you know, dragging and dropping and having this really playful uh, interface and, and sort of seeing how when you strip away the blocks, 
at the bottom of it, there's all this code that's making the character move left to right or making the animation do what you asked it to do. It just, I don't know, it's very, it translates very well. That was one of the many hooks that sort of kept me engaged in the chorus because I, I thought, wow, okay, so like, this is not that difficult if I can understand it from, you know, from a block-based game and then going into writing C code. I, I'm not a big gadgety guy, mm-hmm. but I, I, I find the word, you know, I find the whole Internet of Things movement kind of interesting. A little bit terrifying, but kind of interesting at the same time. <laughs> Agreed. You know? Like when you guys were working on some of these projects at CS50 or you know even at Harvard, have you have you played around with any of that uh you know some of that um, home automation technology or you know, worked we any did. projects around that? We did. We actually have in our office these Philips Hue bulbs, um, and one I believe it was like a Thursday night after work, a group of us uh, decided to just sit down and start have a mini hackathon. And uh, two or three of the guys that I'm working with uh, set these light bulbs up um, outside in the in the hallway from work to turn on, off, turn different colors, or flash in party mode based on uh, forward slash commands on Slack, which is this uh, team communication tool. And so, you know, we'll be in the office and you'll randomly see lights turn red or blue and it's somebody typing away at their keyboard, changing the lights or turning them on or off. Um, so that's just like one of the many things that I've seen. I've also seen like drones uh, randomly flying in one of the rooms in the office, and that was somebody else that was messing around with uh, some Internet of Things devices. So another reason why I asked too is because, well, so I just bought a house, and I'm looking at my office, and I'm just thinking, you know, I have space to to play around with so many of these cool things. And now you just mentioned the Philips Hue um, bulb. I'm thinking I'm, I should get me some of those and see what Everybody I can do with them. Everybody needs one, man. <laughs> they're great yeah they're great bulbs plug great it into like a, a netduino or something like that um mm-hmm. and see what happens yeah you can actually set up through are you familiar with ifttt yes yeah so you can set up if commands for those bulbs so if you wanted the bulbs to change blue whenever the forecast uh you know predicted rain um that's you, that's something else that you could do. I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what I would do if I had one of those to play around with in my room. There's just so many use cases. I think I, I want to set up uh, a bulb outside of my door that says I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, when I change my status on Skype or Slack or something like that, like just it would turn it, red. Yeah, just have it change the light outside so that when people come to the door, they're not going to knock at the door or ask, hey, are you busy? Are you doing something? Like They could just see, you know, I'm unavailable please don't knock at the door please leave me alone yeah that's great i have one of my uh co-workers has a bulb that's set up to turn on when he's near so we know when he's near i just found that out the other day that when a bulb randomly turned on and i asked him <laughs> that was the answer i was given i was like oh okay no, Wait, so it's, it's like a proximity kind of yep yep oh my gosh. just turns on it's great so richie you know what that reminds me of that reminds me what? of Jewelbots or Juliebots, I think that's what it's called, right? Jewelbots, yeah. Jewelbots, and I, I, so Jewelbots is this. I don't want to bastardize. It's it's jewelry, programmable jewelry, pretty much, right? And you know, you could pretty much create like this little mesh network, so you can have your friends, and it should light up when your friends are close by, and it does a lot of cool things like that. Yeah, and it, and what what it's a it's a STEM uh, Kickstarter project um, that uh, allows uh, 
girls to program their own jewelry so that, you know, when they're near someone else, it likes a different color or do, does this or does that. I bought uh, one for my, uh, for each of my daughters. So hopefully that will cut in soon. And have you, have you used them? Like what have your kids been doing with them? I, they haven't come in yet. Oh, no? So, oh. No, not yet. Oh, they haven't shipped or anything like that. Okay. No, no. Uh, I think their V1s have, but that's not what most people are getting uh, from the Kickstarter. Ah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I thought those shipped already. Nope. Well, some of them have, but not Not the ones, not, not the, the main ones that most people are expecting. Yeah. So, AJ, I want to talk about you again a little bit, and I want to talk about your transitions, because it seems like you've been making a lot of transitions in your life, right? You've been moving from one phase to another phase. And particularly, I want to talk about the transition you made from CSUT Miami to, you know, graduating from Miami Day College, then to, to getting a, a job at Harvard. Like, like, tell us that story. Like, how did, how did that happen? Sometime before the graduation uh, of the course, CS50 Miami, we had the CS50 Miami Hackathon. And it was at that event that I got to meet CS50 staff, David Malin, the professor included, we got to spend that, that entire block of hours with them working on our projects. And it was just so great to bring that experience to home and having a team there helping us get unstuck in our projects and, and teaching us and guiding us. And um, at that event, as it was ending, he invited us to visit him and, and the rest of the team in Cambridge at year's end for the CS50 Fair, which is the event where the Harvard students who take the course showcase their final projects. And I started a GoFundMe campaign on GoFundMe, which is the crowdsourcing, it's a crowdfunding uh, website, and raised enough money to go and visit the team. And I went with Dylan and Sadi and uh, Noe, who's also a CS50 Miami student, and Jose, who's a CS50 TF. And we visited the team and spent, um, I believe it was five days with them, just getting to see the way that the setup and teardown of the event worked and um, just getting the behind-the-scenes scoop on the way that the classes run here at Harvard. And, you know, the idea was to take that back home and implement it there to make sure that our events ran as smoothly and as greatly. Yeah, we had a great time here. We got to see so many cool projects at the fair. And we, prior to the fair, was the CS50 hackathon. So we got to, um, you know, help students get unstuck on their projects if they needed it and get to see some of the cool projects that we then saw at the fair afterwards. And about two weeks after I returned um, from that trip, I got a call from David offering me a job here at Harvard as full-time member of the team. And that was, you know, needless to say, very exciting. What was, I was gonna ask, like, what is that moment like for you? Like, oh man, when you get that like, offer, yeah. like, did you did it, your mind explode for a second, or only a million times? It was <laughs> it was like Charlie Brown listening to his teacher. I just at one point I wasn't sure if I was hearing things correctly, um, <laughs> and I could think of was just yes, yes, that would yes, that would be great, <laughs> that would be nice, and uh, you know, I, I at that very moment uh, I remember going over to the, um, the launch code office and, and chatting with Emma, um, who's working with launch code and just telling her right away, um, what happened. And she, she said, Oh, it's going to be here before you know it. And I said, no, there's no way, you know, it's only December or January. What was it? And you know, now I, here I am. And it feels like that call was just yesterday. You're not volunteering like you were before, right? I'm not, you're not volunteering. Right. You're in Massachusetts and mm -hmm. you're a Harvard employee. 
Correct. Right. Are you a student too, or are you a like full time employee? I'm a full time employee. Um, I will be taking some courses online or through the extension school, but none yet. And so, like, what's your title officially, and what do you do、um, for Harvard? I'm a CS50 fellow, and、uh, that's a position that's.、Uh, I what I, what I'm doing is running logistics for the office and just sort of ensuring that all our events and projects are running smoothly. And I divide my time between doing that and also helping with the production of the course itself. So、um, this week, I, on Monday and Tuesday, I was behind the cameras、um, during lecture shoots. So the videos that will be uploaded next week. And this week, I was actually behind one of the cameras for each of those videos. Yeah, so I've been I've been learning so much about what that workflow is like, and I'm so lucky and so fortunate to to work with such talented individuals because every day I learn something that I you know I see somebody doing something so naturally, and then I try to go and do it, and it just does not come out anywhere nearly as great.、Um, but you know, it's. The learning curves and just the the whole experience has been very humbling and very exciting at the same time. I walk around through campus, or when I'm walking through Harvard Yard, going to the office, I, it sinks in every single time. Like I'm here, this is you know, surreal. When I think about Harvard, like the name Harvard itself, just has such a a prestigious cachet. Yeah, you know, it has that that's that prestigious. Um, stigma to it, and you know, I I've never been there, but you know, I imagine stepping on campus. You know, there's people are underneath trees and big circles with their books and their laptops, and they coming up with the next big project or <laughs> next big business idea. And you know, I just imagine such a mass of of knowledge, and massive knowledge and curiosity and you know, entrepreneurial thirst, so to speak. Right? Like, is is that is that what it's like, or? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a beautiful place,、uh, Harvard Yard, which、um, again I'm really fortunate to get to walk through,、uh, even during work hours. Sometimes running errands, it's every time that I walk by, it's exactly as you、uh, as you described. That I see people sitting either under a tree on the ground reading a book, or writing into a journal, or browsing on their laptops and or having conversations. And、um, it, I've met some incredibly smart and just incredibly gifted people. Um, which is not to say that you don't meet those outside of Harvard,、sure. um, but you know, being here, I bump into somebody and they'll be talking about doing some nanotechnology, something or other, and my mind is just blown every day. <laughs> so, if you're going to be in Harvard Yard, you got to say it right. Harvard Yard. <laughs>、oh, to say it right. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know how uh, my uh, colleagues and and fellow. Cambridgeians, or is that the word? Cambridgeians will feel for that. I think I feel like I should learn what the word is. It's what so you 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 park the car over by Harvard Yard,、oh, right? Oh my gosh, something like <laughs> Cantabrian. That might be it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, Don't worry,、uh, your, your accent、uh, will kick in soon enough. Oh, I'm sure I, I'll be you know sounding like a、uh, Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting at some point. Oh please no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> please no. Yeah, I, I'll replace the word "like,"、uh, which is so ingrained into everyone in Miami for、uh, "wicked." Yes, is <laughs> "wicked smart." Oh gosh, <laughs> or, or or "super." We tend to use "super" a lot. Super. Oh, super、yeah. all the time. I've noticed that too. When Dylan came up to visit, 
um, just brought all those <laughs> memories back. Um, but it's nice. It's to be surrounded. Like Diego came over and like he was super drunk. Like I'm told, like super. Yep, that's uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's Miami. <laughs> Have you ever seen that video on YouTube? Things that Miami people say. Oh yes, and it's so accurate. <laughs> those are hilarious. Yep. I don't think that any of the you know, like 10 or five second skits in that were of someone that I couldn't, you know, relate to. Oh, that's such and such. Yep. You know, oh, it's so and so. Such a great video. Yep. Yeah. I could definitely put a finger on some people <laughs> in that video. In an article I read about you, uh, I believe the article's online, it said you actually, like being at Harvard was actually a dream of yours from a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it's almost like, you know, your mind or the universe kind of willed you, you know, into being where you needed to be kind of, kind of way. And so from, from having this, this goal, I suppose, for, for such a long time and, and being able to achieve it, you know, like, what does that really mean to you? Oh, man. It's always really weird to talk about myself, I feel. <laughs> but um, I, I just, one of the things that I've put a lot of thought into is that I this was a dream of mine and is a dream of mine to, to be here um, I didn't know to which capacity or how I was going to get here but I'm here and it just made me realize that I had at one point set my eyes and, and goals on getting here and didn't put much thought into the next 50 steps I guess you could say and now that I'm here and I'm, I'm 22 and I'm thinking well okay that, that was a dream that I had back at that age so what's I've, I'm here what now right and and just sort of being surrounded by again all these talented people and beautiful minds and just beautiful work and environment is uh, you know has allowed me to go and branch out to all the other little sub dreams that I had and the, the things that I wanted to do one of those being well I've actually in the past two weeks written a couple of songs with a co-worker and a friend of mine uh, and he's also a roommate of mine Luke and that was something that I've been wanting to get out of my system for a while in Miami which is just to focus on music for a while so I've been doing that and in terms of like acting and directing and photography and video cinematography I also have been working with another colleague and um, of mine on a mixed reality series called Vrink, VR Inc. And that's something that just sort of came spur of the moment. But, you know, sort of to, to answer your question, I, I've been getting to, to do all the other things that I wanted to do that, and, and that would not have been able to do had I not been capable of achieving that goal and, and reaching uh, that dream that I had set in mind. So you mentioned Vrink. So I want to I want to talk about some of these projects that you're working on mm-hmm. at Harvard. Right. So tell me a little bit about Vrink. What is it? What is it about? You know, what's what's the goal of this project exactly? So Vrink is a, as I mentioned, a mixed reality series about a virtual reality corporation. And I went into some detail about that, but I think that the the cool story or the part of it that I like so much is. Um, sort of how it came about and it was one day after work I was going to take a 20-25 minute nap on the couch and Connor who's that colleague that I've been working on this project with and Stelios who's a a student at Yale Um, we were just sitting around I was going to go get that nap and when I woke up Connor said I wrote a script and we just collectively decided that night to go and shoot the script and we did and published it online took us about 
I, I don't know, 12, 13 hours to put all that together, shooting and editing and publishing. And then it, it, a lot of people liked it. And it was something that we did just for fun. And it was going to be a one-time thing. But people were asking for episode two. So we did that and got up to episode three. And so the, the premise of this story is that it's uh, virtual reality. There's a virtual reality corporation that made virtual reality headsets cheap and readily available at a grand scale and there's a programmer who discovers this and he's planning to bring it down this might sound familiar it's it is mr robot inspired um but there's a bit of a twist to it in that in one of the episodes we'll go from seeing this world and, and sort of experiencing everything that this guy is going through in 2d to then being snapped into 360 footage and 360 video Mm. So you'll go from you know being seeing him in a room to being in the room with him. Oh, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. That's one of the projects that we've been working on uh, for some time, and hopefully we'll get, you'll get to see more of that. But if here's the shameless plug: if you go on YouTube and you look up Vrink, VR Inc., Inc., uh, you can see the first two episodes. And please feel free to comment. And you, Cecil, I want I want you to watch and tell me what you think. Um, because we're taking any feedback at any sort of that didn't make sense or that made a lot of sense and hopefully polishing that and making it better. No, sure, definitely. And what we'll do, we can add it to the show notes too. So anybody that's listening to the show could you know, take a look at our page and we'll have a link to some of your videos so they can all check it out. Yeah, that works. <laughs> so AJ, I want to kind of, again, circle back on you a little bit. Let's, let's, let's talk about some of the things that you do when you're not immersed in all this technology right so we, we definitely got to saw you see your passion and we talked about some of the projects that you're working on what are some of the things that you do when you know you want to disconnect and you know not be in front of a keyboard so to speak currently uh as i said earlier just diving back into instruments and just playing music i feel like that's just a, such a great way to disconnect and even though it doesn't technically pull me away from a keyboard if i'm in front of a piano there's something so great about just sitting and even if there's nothing structured or no actual song that I'm playing, just messing about is uh, therapeutic enough to massage my mind and, and let me go back to work feeling refreshed. What kind of music do you like to listen to? I listen to just about anything. I've, I, from like polka to punk, I actually went to a Billy Talent concert, which is this uh, Canadian rock uh, punk band. Mm, okay. um, and on Sunday, and it was great because I'd been wanting to see them for a very long time. And it just so happens that uh, Luke and I both listened to them growing up, and he's about four years older than me. And it was just so nice after nine years to actually get to see him. Right. Very cool. Mm-hmm. But do you, just do you play any instruments or no? I do. I, I play. Um, I play piano. I'm looking at my ukulele, ukulele. Wow. Uh, right now, and I have my guitar and my bass guitar back home sadly or in Miami rather we'd like to thank Arturo for being a guest on the show it is great to have the opportunity to chat with him if you like the show please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com also remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash aftkpodcast and on twitter at aftkpodcast you can follow me on twitter at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. Yeah. 
And you can subscribe to the show via the website on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes it take, sign up to our newsletter where you get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have illustrator and artist Andrea Ruth. Well, I think there are so many elements about the like aspects of the artwork that isn't really represented in a photo. Like you said, size. Like when you see Picasso's uh, Guernica, which I just saw recently in um, in France, I got to see it, which was awesome. Or no, it was in Madrid. It is gigantic, and it is stunning because I think primarily because of the size. Like you walk in that room, and it's kind of the only thing on the wall, and it, everyone you can just like hear everyone's breath just shorten and being held. As they're looking at it, it's incredible. That was a really interesting conversation. I mean, we typically just talk to technical people, but we actually talked to an artist, which was something completely different for us, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's really amazing, man. This is going to be a really cool episode. Peace. to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego! So what you should do, though, is you should get a Fitbit and add Richie as your friend. Oh. And you guys should go at it and see who's going to put in the most miles. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks, for, thanks for putting that on me, man. I haven't run in about a month. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, dude. Well, I guess we Appreciate just it. got in there. You, you, I'm sure you have the inside scoop on Cecil, though, Richie. So, I, mean, I, don't, I, I, I gave up on fitness trackers. I destroyed all of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now... I see Apple's, you know, starting to pay attention and, you know, they're, they're starting to support swimming a little bit more in their, their Apple Watch. So I'm, I'm thinking about it. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. I have, well, that's 50 meters, right? It's rated, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 50 meters. So I, I generally don't go down that deep. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, it's fine as long as you're not doing something like, you know, diving or synchronized swimming. You know, obviously you can't do... Um, scuba go scuba diving or even you know um, competitive diving with it but i if you're just going to be doing laps in the pool it, it, it sounds like it should work out pretty good at least their marketing material sounds like you could do laps with it 
so I'm I'm going with the marketing material, and I'm going to say, okay, well, if that if that's the truth, then you know I'm interested. We'll see what. Well, what's really the point if you can't do laps with it? Seriously. So that's the problem that I had with the Fitbit that I had because they said it was water resistant, and it was. The unit was, but the band wasn't. <laughs> so the unit is fine. I could I'll drop the unit like so. You know, the, I don't know if if, if anybody's listening that's familiar with the fit the Fitbit Flex, which is one of the the first ones that came up. <clears throat> so there's a little rubber band, and it has a little screen that goes across the front, and you insert the unit in the backside of the band that pretty much sits on the top of your arm, in the middle of your arm. Right. So that unit itself is is waterproof. I had no issues with it. That's fine. It, you know, I think I probably have a couple of them laying around somewhere. But the band itself, after like a couple of weeks, would just kind of fall apart because of the chlorine. No, right? The chlorine, like, because whatever glue they use to stick it together, just, you know, it, it could take chlorine for only so much, right? And they kind of it just, ate, it, it, it ate it. It ate it away. Yeah, pretty much stayed away. So I, I just get, kind of gave up, gave up on, on fitness trackers. I tried a couple of fitness trackers after that, but again, they, you know, it just, it just didn't make sense. So I gave up on them. Yeah, what I find very useful is my. I have a Pebble smartwatch. And oh, how do you like tracks, that? I love it. It's so great. Um, I'm actually waiting for the newest version to release. It already went live on Kickstarter, and the Kickstarter starter ended. So, sometime mm-hmm. between now and January, I'll have the other. Um, but yet, yeah, it, it was tracking my sleep since June, and I realized that I was not sleeping anywhere near as much as I should have been sleeping, um, which was no surprise or, uh, you know, anything of that sort to me, but just sort of having it logged somewhere where I could just take a look and, and really see the sort of lack of sleep that I was getting uh, really pushed me forward to, to making sure that I got more sleep. I was sleeping, I'm trying to pull it up now, and for some reason the app is crashing might just be my phone though but i was getting about like three or four hours of sleep average mm. Oof. yeah but uh, yep and now i'm up to five so much improvement nice <laughs> nice 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 yeah but fitness trackers and um just wearables is just another facet of, of this sort of tech spree the just blows my mind. I think it would be interesting for you to incorporate some of that into your show. So, it, you know, so you already said that you got a little bit of uh, inspiration from Mr. Robot. So I can imagine you're doing, you know, your, your VR show and you have a Fitbit and you're grabbing some data out of the device using Python and kind of incorporating mm. some of that, some of that, um, you know, that hacker, you know, that hacker mentality type vibe into the show. I think that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea at all. I'm going to jot that down. See, there you go. I want 5%. I oh, all of it. <laughs> I'm there, kidding. I'm joking. There's the rub. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, I'm kidding. We'll cut, we'll cut it out the show, so it'll we'll be like I never said it. Well, if you fly if you fly up to visit me, then you could be the character that's wearing a Fitbit. Oh, I'd do that. Let me know when. I'm coming. There you go. Good deal. Richie, you can be... You can be... You can also be a character wearing a Fitbit. We'll be partners in crime, man. Richie yes. already has a Fitbit. Yeah. All right. Oh, you're, yep. well, then you're already like 10 steps ahead of Cecil. Yeah, see, there you go. He's probably more yeah. than 10 steps. More than, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check the Fitbit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, that sounds cool. 